It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors get embarrassed by the New Orleans Pelicans, and R.J. Barrett just might be the most important player in Toronto Raptors history. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, February the 6th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on that website that doesn't work very well and is very mean all the time. Matt Woodley, Sean, you can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can join us over on the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join. We would love to see you in there. And uh, it's a great little spot. It's a great place for coping these days as the Toronto Raptors are not a very good basketball team. By design, I suppose. But man, oh man, last night, not very fun. Two games in three now, not very fun. We will get into the mess that was this loss to the Pelicans coming up on today's show. Of course, uh, a reminder, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, etc., etc. Always appreciated when you support the show. However you support the show, and we are on YouTube. You can go and find us on YouTube, subscribe, and hit the little notification bell. When you do that, you'll get a heads up every single time the show is about to premiere on YouTube. If we're going live to, I don't know, react to a trade deadline move or something like that, you can also go and uh, and get those heads ups whenever the show is going to be available for you. So go and do that. We very much appreciate you supporting the YouTube channels. We get very close, dangerously close, some are saying, to 4,000 subscribers over there on the tube. Be cool if we could get there this week before the deadline, huh? Help out. All right, let's get to it on today's show, which is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of five bucks or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And we'll get started by digging into just a really ugly, lifeless kind of waste of time uh, spending our evenings watching it Toronto Raptors basketball game. Really, really bad stuff. 138-100, the Pelicans walk all over the Raptors. They open up the first quarter 36-19. to The Raptors have a five-minute scoring drought in the first quarter, and they were never in this one after that. Third quarter, obviously, some signs of life here and there. A decent second quarter on offense, at least, but it all comes crashing down as Brandon Ingram goes off for a cool 41 points on 16 of 21 shooting and 8 of 11 from deep as the Toronto Raptors simply had nobody to guard that dude. We will get into the good stuff from this game, which was uh, kind of only Grady Dick. We'll do a good, bad, and hmm at the end of the game, as, at the end of the show as well, as we always do. But we should start off with my sort of big takeaway on this game, which was, which is that it's kind of unbelievable and frankly impressive 
how valuable and important RJ Barrett seems to be the to the integrity of this basketball team right now. Not having him last night, second out of the back-to-back injury management totally makes sense. You don't want to overextend him coming back from that knee swelling, but it turns out without RJ Barrett, this team just kind of can't really do any of the things that it wants to do. And a lot of its weaknesses are amplified by the lack of RJ Barrett as well. Um, I think the thing that really popped out in this game, and I think that's really been incredible to watch with RJ since he joined the Raptors over a month ago now, is transition. He's been such a devastating transition player, and last night was maybe the worst transition performance the Raptors have turned in all season long. Uh, They only got into transition 10.6% of the time. That is just not enough for this team, which for the most part this year has been hanging out near the top of the the charts when it comes to transition frequency transition efficiency all that stuff they just didn't run in this game and look it's hard to run when you're fishing the ball out of your bucket because brandon ingram has schooled you once again uh you know over the course of a full game it's tough to rack up those transition opportunities when you're just not getting stops also a problem you know exacerbated by not having rj barrett even though he's not the greatest defensive player of all time or anything like that But yeah, just a a strange game where it seemed like the Raptors were very eager, even off of makes to or off of, you know, collecting defensive rebounds. That is very eager to just kind of walk it up and get into some kind of lifeless half court sets, which are way less potent when you don't have the battering ram. That is R.J. Barrett flying around screens, cutting into space, knocking down threes when they swing to him in the flow of the offense, just not having him as a play finisher really, really nukes the effectiveness of this half-court offense right now. It's pretty stark. Um, you know, I didn't think Bruce Brown had a very good game as an offensive cog in this game at all. You know, you know, he had 4-7 from the field or whatever, but he was pretty ineffectual. Team worst minus 31. The defense, obviously, from Bruce Brown, not so hot either. And when you don't have R.J. Barrett, it's not just that the offense runs less smoothly and that the transition game is less easy to get to. It's also just that the biggest weakness of this current roster, which is just size, athleticism, not being felt at all by their opponents, that's exacerbated even more by not having RJ because he's like the one guy right now who every single time he touches the ball is making the opponent feel his presence. There's making them hurt. He's just driving into dudes and making things happen with physical force. And physical force is not really a thing the rest of this roster does super well right now. It's just not a very physical team. They are not physically imposing. They are not terribly athletic when you compare them to a lot of teams around the league. The league is skewing huge, and it's not surprising to me that they keep on running into these Western Conference teams that are sort of middling teams by Western Conference standards, the injured Grizzlies, the the Rockets, the Pelicans. You run into these teams, and they just don't have the physical might, the Raptors don't, to keep up with these squads. The Pelicans are massive everywhere. Jonas Valanciunas is an absolute tank. And hey, I will give serious credit to Scotty Barnes, who I think tried his darndest to fight and bang with, with JV in this game. Um, you know, A lot of liberal help coming over from Yaka Pirtle. JV did not have a very good game, and I do think a lot of that is on you know Scotty Barnes being a really good sort of overmatched underdog in those David versus David versus Goliath matchups. JV just goes four of 14, but you could tell it was just physically taxing for Scotty Barnes just to simply be in that matchup. I, I understand why they did it. You know, you open them up to be more switchable. If they're going to run Jonas and pick and roll and, and stuff like that, 
and you have you know Yak sort of be more of the sort of rim bound, hang near the basket, guard Zion, don't worry about him shooting threes type of guy. Um, you know, I didn't mind the defensive alignment, but it just it speaks to how outgunned this team is physically that that was probably their best defensive alignment. They did a pretty good job in one specific matchup, at least uh, with Scotty and Jonas Valanciunas. But there's just not enough physical force on the perimeter to keep guys from just walking to the basket. The they're just kind of overmatched physically and athletically at every position at this point. It's kind of wild to considering where we've come from, where this team was once six eight everywhere and length and you know just jumping in your face and arms and thickets to try to navigate through as an offense. There are no thickets right now. This is an open meadow for offenses, and the offenses are just like sprightly skipping through with their picnic baskets and uh, you know laying things up at the rim. It's been pretty tough stuff. I think uh, you know it, it, it's just you look at the Pelicans team, right? Trey Murphy is like six ten and blocking shots on the perimeter and flying around, and you have Herb Jones, who's just this ridiculous athlete, an incredible defender, and the Raptors counter to it is that young like it's tough man it's really really tough i i uh i don't know it, it's just this is the team they have this is the path that they've chosen to walk and it's going to be bad until you know, for a while until it's good i you know i'm bullish on having a good summer and you know turning things around in pretty short order here but this team right now is very much outgunned and it's not surprising they keep on coming up against these Western conference powerhouses with 11 deep rosters and getting completely just demolished in the athleticism and jumping around sort of departments. It's just not what this team does well. And that's the way the league is skewing as the Raptors were, I think kind of ahead of the curve on with the way they built their team. They just didn't build it with the right types of skill sets, but they had the right idea in mind. And now it's just like kind of back to square one where Everyone outside of Scotty and Yak is small and uh, overmatched. It's uh, it's tough stuff. And again, RJ makes it that much easier to figure out. Um, You know, this also was a bad game for getting to the rim. Another thing RJ Barrett really, really amplifies for this team is the rim pressure. This team's identity has to be living at the rim, and they have the capacity to do it when they're healthy. But RJ Barrett not being there really takes away one of their best rim pressure options. And, uh, you know, there's just was like a lot of walking up, taking the first three available. The first quarter was a nightmare for this. Just nothing going to the rim, nothing, nothing, you know, gaining penetration, paint touches, anything like that. It was just kind of make a pass or two. And the first kind of open three that's there, let's jack it up, miss it and go back and try to defend the Pelicans. Once again, it was a really rough one that, you know, might've been a rough loss anyway, if RJ Barrett were available, but it's pretty stark how much he changes the dynamic of this team. I don't think he's the best player on this team by any means. Obviously, I still think that's Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, creation burden is a thing. The you know, I don't think RJ would hold up with the creation burden that Scotty Barnes has, for example. But I do think RJ is the Raptor who is playing the best right now. And when you factor in the stuff he brings to the table, not having him on the floor, it just kind of left the Raptors drawing dead against this very good Pelicans team. So tough stuff. What are you going to do about it? They're going to lose games. Like It's just kind of the way it is now. It's not how I would have gone about things, but uh, it's the, the path they've chosen to walk, and there's got to be patience. There has to be an understanding that this is going to be a regular occurrence, and you know, you would hope that they can hold up and not lose by 38 points most nights. That, that Rockets game was a disaster. This one was a disaster. There have obviously been some high points on this road trip as well. The Hawks game was spirited. The Bulls win was nice. The, the Thunder game, as much as the finish was heartbreaking, was a very spirited and good effort. 
But if you got too many of these games kind of racking up, man, it's uh, it's an ugly look and it's not conducive to development. You're just kind of running out garbage time lineups in second halves. That's not conducive to anything, really. Garbage time. There's a reason cleaning the glass limits for garbage time in their statistics because garbage time is garbage. There's just nothing going on there. So, yeah, it's tough. It's uh, it's just the way things are right now. We'll see. RJ Barrett certainly helps make things a little bit more easy to navigate and obviously getting through the deadline and getting the clouds of uncertainty out of the, the way would be very nice as well but this team just does not have the juice right now having four good players is not really enough in today's nba there's lots of good players around it's just tough we'll come back to the other side and get into a guy who might be a fifth good player for the raptors if uh if he plays his cards right if the raptors play their developmental cards right and it seems like the developmental track has been working for this guy talking about Grady Dick, who was the lone bright spot from this game coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You know the deal. Super Bowl party, you're going to hang out. You want to get the best seat on the couch. You want to get some snacks, and you want to maybe throw some bets down on the game that is taking place. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end your season with a W or two or three of course, you got those fun bets. What color is the Gatorade going to be? How long is the national anthem going to go? Will there be a safety in the game? That's the kind of sicko stuff that if I am going to put money down on the NFL, that's the stuff I'm putting it down on. The stuff that really matters. Of course, you can also bet on who's going to score a touchdown, who, how many points are going to be scored, over-unders, etc., etc. It's all there for FanDuel at FanDuel for you to go and peruse. New customers can join today and get 200 bucks in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins. So that's it. $5 bet or more. If it wins, you're going to get 200 bucks in bonus bets. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL and of the LockedOn Podcast Network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day talking about a very nasty, no good Toronto Raptors loss to the New Orleans Pelicans on uh, Monday night. Yeah, second night of a back-to-back. And look, that's part of this as well. Pretty clearly gassed after a two-overtime thriller against the Thunder. I don't think the Raptors really had much of a shot of winning this game anyway because of the schedule factors coming in. But still, you'd like to see a little bit more juice. And uh, juice is not something the Toronto Raptors brought unless... You're talking about Grady Dick, who had himself a really nice game in this one. Probably his best as a pro, at least the first half. The second half, I think most of his scoring was relegated to garbage time. He was missing quite a bit in that third quarter when Brandon Ingram was going off. And look, no one was guarding Brandon Ingram. The Raptors don't have anyone to guard Brandon Ingram at this point. It is what it is. You're going to run into matchups where you don't have the juice defensively either. But I do think Grady Dick uh, earnestly showed lots of promise in this game in the first half in particular. We had 15 points. He goes 9 of 16 overall, 4 of 8 from the field, hitting twos, hitting threes, you know, catch and shoot stuff, pull up stuff, uh, you know, off the bounce. It's pretty encouraging stuff for Grady Dick. And the trajectory he's been on this season, I, I, I just... You know, we're kind of watching player development happen in real time, right? And I think, you know, it was always ridiculous. That's a fun pun. Ridiculous. Uh, it was always silly to, you know, look at 
Grady Dick's summer league or preseason or first stretch of NBA games and say, oh, that's a bust. Should have taken Jordan Hawkins. Should have taken Jaime Hawkins or whatever. And it may be true that those guys end up being better NBA players down the line. This is how the draft works. It's a crapshoot. And we like to think we know everything about it. But, uh, you know, things happen. And Grady Dick was projected as like a top six guy in some boards. And, you know, we'll see. Ultimately, I think the nice thing is, is that Grady Dick is playing good enough ball right now and showing enough signs to suggest that this is not going to be like a lost pick. Grady Dick's got some juice. And I think, you know, the thing that really just stands out to me watching him play is the dude really knows how to get open. And that is kind of an underappreciated skill. The dude just knows how to find pockets of space where he's available to be hit with passes. There were even some times last night where I thought, the Raptors guards missed him a little bit. I will give Bruce Brown credit. Wasn't his best game. He's not been very good since the trade. Obviously, there's the whole trade thing hanging over him, and we'll see. You know, I, you know, people know my opinions on Bruce Brown. I would like to see him kept around and be part of the mix, but clearly things are trending maybe in another direction than that. But I do think Brown was pretty good at kind of when Grady was hot in that first half. He felt like the Raptors guard who most was trying to get him set up into spots where he could get more looks off. So Credit Bruce Brown for that. That's some veteran stuff. Hey, turns out veterans, good for player development. Who, who would have thought? Um, but either way, I, I think, you know, that was a, a really notable thing from Grady last night. It's just like this dude com- continually finds himself in spots where he's one pass away from a very good shot uh, for the Toronto Raptors offense. And as the threes continue to fall, you know, after what an awful start it was, he's now over 30%, you know, near 31% from deep on the season over the course of his, what, 29 games played. That's great. That's really encouraging. He's moving into normal shooting territory. He's still below 50% true shooting, but it's ticking up, baby. And that's what you want to see. And again, this is just player development taking place. This is the slow play of it. This is what the Raptors used to do development-wise, was take very raw players. Think of Pascal Siakam as a rookie. That dude was as raw as they come. He was basically just there to catch outlet passes from Kyle Lowry and grab offensive rebounds. That was kind of the whole thing he brought to the table, but they layered stuff in. They played it slow. They took the time. They used the G League, and we are seeing that with Grady Dick, that you know the G League time, the sort of two-week physical regimen thing that they went, went, went through with them, all of that seems to be paying dividends now. And he, to me, like has to be playing heavy minutes down the stretch. He played 30 minutes in this game. Just play him all the minutes at this point because that's where he's going to learn. That's where he's going to get accustomed to the speed of the NBA, which has been one of the rallying cries of uh, the coaching staff of why he hasn't been playing or wasn't playing early on in the season was he just wasn't ready for the speed of it. Give him more reps against the speed of the NBA and good things are going to happen as he's getting more comfortable kind of realizing where he can attack. Okay, I got the, you know, it swung to me. I got my pump fake. Teams are worried about that now. So I can pump. I can drive. I can pull up off the bounce. He had one last night where he scored over, I think it was Brandon Ingram. Might have been someone else, but uh, it might have been Trey Murphy. Uh, But either way, just like a really nice, you know, catch, pump, drive, baseline fadeaway. That's incredible stuff to see from Grady Dick as he's sort of being emboldened to go and do more. And on defense, like, Look, there's still learning to be done. There are moments where he's, you know, kind of getting bullied around, but he's picking up charges. He's in the right spots. He's jumping passing lanes. And I think he's not detracting from the Raptors defense anyone else any more than any of the other turnstiles they keep on throwing out there on the perimeter. And so I don't see any reason why Grady Dick shouldn't be playing heavy minutes down the rest of the season. Like this is what this is for. 
use these games for development, use these games to actually try and figure out like what lineup combinations work, what player pairings work with Grady Dick, who does he have chemistry with? And, you know, obviously Scotty Barnes is going to be a big part of this thing going forward too with Grady Dick. Like how do those dudes, how do those dudes play off of one another? Plenty of history to suggest that movement shooting is something that works very well next to Scotty Barnes. Let's tap into that a little bit more. Can you run some two-man game between Scotty Barnes and Grady Dick? I would love to see if they could kind of tap into, remember the Heat, you know, used to really, and they still do this, right? They run a ton of Bam out of bio, Duncan Robinson pick and roll and dribble handoff stuff and just two-man actions to get those two dudes and what they do well playing off of one another and amplifying each other. I would love to see that more with Scotty Barnes. I'd like to see that more with Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel quickly as well. Uh, still didn't see a ton of that last night. There were like one or two attempts at pick and rolls that didn't go anywhere. Um, still lots of, uh, I think, ripe, delicious fruit to be plucked off that tree for sure. Um, but yeah, Grady Dick belongs in this rotation right now. And it is the thing to kind of keep you excited. And if you're building a team, right? Think about it. Like if you're putting together a team that's going to be serious in the NBA, this juncture where the talent like seemingly overnight, it seems like in three or four years, the sort of baseline for requisite number of good players has gone from like seven to 10 very quickly. Think about the Raptors, you know, they're very tight rotations back even in the, the early Nick nurse times, like after Kawhi left and all that, like they were running some pretty short benches in those times and they made it work because the top end guys were good enough. Top end guys are not good enough now on their own to bring you to wins, right? Every team has nine, 10 dudes, it seems, who are pretty good. And right now, the Raptors, we know this has been a shortcoming of theirs in recent years, is filling out back end of rosters. And Grady Dick, right now, if you look at this roster and say, okay, Barnes, Barrett, quickly, Pirtle, that's four dudes. No doubt those are good players who are going to be on this team for a while. If you're looking for a fifth, like I feel pretty confident saying Grady, saying Grady Dick is going to be one of the nine or 10 best players on the next good Raptors team. And hey, for a, a guy you take 13th overall, maybe you want higher ambitions. And I'm sure he will be better than just the ninth or 10th guy based on what he does as an off-ball player and the gravity of his shooting, especially as he gets into the groove and is actually hitting his shots. Um, but at the very least, it feels like they've got a piece who will be part of this team the next time they're good and competitive. So that's that's great. Very encouraging. Was happy to see Grady and just sort of the, the versatility of the way he can get his looks off, right? Whether it's you know little floaters here and there, getting downhill. I love it when they bring him around a screen. He can kind of cuts down right down the paint and can put those up off glass. Like that's great stuff. Uh and a nice sort of diversity, not just a shooter, as the refrain has gone with Grady Dick for a while. And you're seeing it, right? He he's just he's got a lot to his offensive package and I think as he gets more comfortable, the, the physicality becomes less of a burden for him and, and less of a daunting obstacle to climb. Things are only going to get better for Grady Dick. So nice performance here. And, uh, you know, we got to take the wins where we get them. And that was a fun one. We'll, 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 more of that, please. More Grady Dick bombing away on those threes. That would be pretty sweet. And nice to see him do it against Jordan Hawkins, of course, the guy who was taken after him, who everyone's very mad about. Now, I was a Jordan Hawkins guy, too. I love Jordan Hawkins, but... Uh, you know, nice to have a nice game from Grady Dick where you don't have to feel like you missed out or anything like that. All that good stuff. We'll come back on the other side, round it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm, that not much good to pull from this one, but I have one sort of meandering creative one that we'll get to and among our bads and hmms that we'll get to coming up in just one second. Today's show is sponsored by Better 
help. And right now, look, we all need the opportunity sometimes to get things off of our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. And it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. You know, the people in your life, there's, you know, this is the thing. You talk to people and no one has bad intentions if you're, they're, they're your loved ones, but everyone has their own baggage. Everyone has their own stuff going on and it can't, it's not always the best thing to try to figure out what's going on with your own life and your own mentals when you're talking to someone who has their own stuff going on, who also knows you and knows you so personally. And so having a therapist who's just there, an unbiased person who can listen to you and offer insights, who's not connected to your day-to-day life in any way, that is a tremendously valuable thing. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off of your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is visit betterhelp.com slash LockedInNBA to get 10% off your first month. You can also switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is a wonderful feature. If you don't find that right person connection right away, you can find a therapist who works for you, who understands where you're coming from. That's betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA for 10% off your first month. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rounding it out here with the good, the bad, and the hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thing we liked, thing we didn't like. Thing that got us a little intrigued, or by us, I mean just me, because it's just me on today's show. It's not a plural of people here. I'm losing my mind. Uh, either way, let's get to the good, shall we? The good, again, not a whole lot. I talked about Grady Dick already, so I'm not going to rehash that one. And beyond that, there's not a whole lot of good. You know, there was Scotty's noble efforts against the very large Jonas Valanciunas. That was fun and interesting to watch for a while, even if it seems like it maybe took Scotty out physically on the offensive end. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I do have one and it was getting to see perhaps the last fleeting glimpse of Chris Boucher as a Toronto Raptor reporting yesterday from Doug Smith that the Raptors are looking for a landing spot for the longest serving Toronto Raptor, which is quite a sentence to say. Uh, and look, is it fitting that the last fleeting glimpse of Chris Boucher took place in garbage time? Considering that was the role he occupied way back when he began with the Raptors as like a garbage time hero on the championship team. I think it is a little fitting. Uh, you know, 12 minutes for him in this one, 11.6 boards and assist, minus four. So the Raptors went minus four in that fourth quarter. Plays it all. Um, you know, it's been weird. Chris Boucher's had a lot of ups. He's had many downs. He's been a pretty, you know, dependable soldier for this team for many years. And, you know, when he's been really good, he's been like a really, really exciting, energy-infusing bench big it's just kind of weird the way it's all gone down. Obviously, he's been sort of moved out of the plans. And I, I don't even begrudge the Raptors for that at all. I, I don't think Boucher has been especially good this season. He's certainly not been very consistent. It's been up and down. Um, the three-point shot continues to baffle. And, you know, sometimes it looks like the prettiest, most butter jumper you've ever seen. And sometimes it looks like it's just got no chance of going in. That's just the Chris Boucher experience. 
Um, you know, obviously, I think without Precious Achua, without the sort of commitment to being this insane offensive rebounding outlier team, Boucher's effectiveness has gone down a little bit the last couple seasons as well. Um, I guess mostly this season. You know, I just it's just kind of been weird with Chris Boucher, weirdly fitting lineups and all of that. All through it, he's been super professional. He seems like a pretty sort of trusted and loved voice within the locker room as well. Obviously, was very close with the recently departed Siakam and OG and, and Precious and all that. You know, a pretty, you know, compelling, fun character for this Raptors team for many years. And if that was the last we see from Chris Boucher, I'm glad it happened in garbage time where that was kind of where Chris Boucher first became a dude I enjoyed, which was garbage. And, and frankly, it's kind of a personal thing too. My mom, who got really into the Raptors during the championship run, the 2019-20 season as well, kind of fell off after the pandemic. I think that's probably true for a lot of fans who jumped in for the title and then uh, the following season and then the pandemic really kind of hurt stuff. But um, my mom just texts me all the time when Boucher's playing and just calls him garbage time. So endearingly. She loves it. She loves him. Uh, really likes him. But I was just like, oh, yeah, it's garbage time. Chris Boucher's in. That was kind of my common refrain uh, way back in 2019. And uh, to have him have that garbage time performance last night where he goes four or five, hits a three, all that good stuff. It was a, a fitting potential end to Chris Boucher's tenure with the Toronto Raptors, unceremonious as it may be for me on a personal level, considering, you know, my, my own mom's uh, love of this player. Uh, it was, uh, I think, a pretty fitting way for it to go down. I mean, hey, maybe he plays against the Hornets. Maybe he's not traded by then, but it does seem like we are in the last couple of days here of the Chris Boucher Toronto Raptors era one way or another. Um, which on the whole, I would argue, has been a good, uh, even if it's been a little frustrating at times. Let's go to the bad. Uh, lots of bad in this one, obviously. You know, I did not think this was a good Dennis Schroeder game. Really bad Dennis Schroeder game, actually. Uh, just didn't have it. Minus 25, 0-4. Not really orchestrating the offense very effectively. Uh, not my favorite. We talked about Bruce Brown not having himself a very good defensive game. You could just say, like, Perimeter defense could be a thing that was not good from this game. Gestures broadly at the whole game could be the bad from this game as well. I'll say Jordan Wara, though. I didn't love this Wara game. He had five assists somehow, um, but you know he obviously played the entirety of the fourth quarter. Thought overall, though, just a pretty ineffectual game from Wara. And like maybe the magic's not quite there anymore, right? Like, you know, if he can pop off and have a heater from deep, that's great. I'm not sure he does a ton else to really affect winning. And this is why I was not terribly enthused when he was involved in the trade. And I, why I don't think Tony East, when we talked to him from lockdown Pacers was all that upset about the the Pacers moving on from him either. You know, I, I do think there will be an opportunity here for war to play himself into the mix down the stretch. If he can continue to capture what he did in those bulls and Hawks games in a bottle, then great for him. But I do think you see the limitations of Jordan war. He, you know, doesn't make very quick decisions with the ball in his hands. He, you know, has like a little bit of passing juice, but I don't think he like gets to those reads very naturally. And he's just not a very good defender. Like he, he just doesn't have the lateral foot speed. And at six foot eight, like you would hope that you are getting someone who can be like a physical, you know, a defender that you feel. But I don't quite think Jordan War is that. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 this is, I just had to pick something. There was lots of bad from this game. Emmanuel quickly had a pretty rough one. The finishing, a, a, a problem again, just two of seven from two. Um, I continue to think that's going to be something that's just sort of like a, a work in progress with him. He's carrying a much bigger burden as the lead guard than he was with the Knicks. And, you know, the, the percentages drop down when that happens, right? It's an adjustment period. I'm not terribly concerned, but not a very good game from quickly either. 
just a bad game in general, man. This game stuck. Like, just if there's more of this, if this is how the season ends, just like a an absolute waste, total nightmare. Hopefully, it's not. Hopefully, they can kind of get things through the deadline and settle down a little bit and have themselves a bit of a decent run to close the season. I think that's very much on the table, even if it's not full of wins. I think it could be more full of competitive, fun, interesting, developmentally conducive basketball games. Last night, no one's getting developed at all, which is a nightmare. Uh, shout out Grady, I guess, for being the one guy. We'll go to the hmm. The hmm from this one. I wonder just how much two massive blowout losses in the matter of three games changes the Raptors' sort of feelings on the deadline. You know, I, I've been thinking, no, maybe they'll just keep Gary Trent Jr. Maybe they keep Bruce Brown for the trade possibilities. Having him on the roster and the books opens up in the summer. Dennis Schroeder feels like a guy they'll keep. Chris Boucher, you know, maybe they find a move for him. If they don't, maybe they just keep him around. It does kind of feel like maybe they just move everybody. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's a weird market. You know, no teams are, you know, who are looking for upgrades or looking at Jalen McDaniels as some kind of piece to add to their team or anything like that. But it just, I, I wonder what the effect of two really nasty losses is on the psyche of the front office and how much they want to go and just kind of trade everything that's not tied down. I should say, I think this would be a bad idea. I don't think they should just get rid of anyone who could help them play competent basketball. I don't think they should just trade Dennis Schroeder for the sake of trading Dennis Schroeder. I don't think they should trade Bruce Brown for the sake of trading Bruce Brown. I think Gary Trent Jr., you know, obviously it sucked to see him go out of the lineup last night with the back spasms. Hopefully he's okay and come back in short order here. He's been playing very good ball of late. You know, can you get anything better than a second round pick for him? If not, like I'm not even all that in on that move here either. I just think you have to have competent basketball players. And I think because of where the Raptors sit, because their lottery odds are going to be mostly out of their hands, whether they're fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever, it's still going to be kind of a toss up, you know, or, you know, at the very least, like a one third proposition of keeping their pick. Like, I don't know, man. I think they should try to play competent basketball because we saw last night the losing habits that seep in when you're not playing competitive ball. And to do that over the course of a third of a season can be damaging. It's hard to wash that stuff off. So I'm not saying I'm here, sitting here hoping they move on from everybody who they can get something for. But if they do, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised considering how lifeless things have looked these last couple of games. It's tough stuff, man. It's going to be a long road. This is uh, not turning around anytime soon, at least not this season. Um, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. We'll leave it there for now. Come back tomorrow and we'll, uh, you know, hopefully feel renewed and sprightly and excited. But it's hard to get excited after a 38-point bludgeoning at the hands of the Pelicans. Um, I guess the one other bad or good from this game, the bad, is it's the end of King Cake Baby season. That's upsetting. King Cake Baby should be a year-round thing. The Pelicans should be doing. Um, you know, it only gets like a short run before Mardi Gras and all that stuff. I, keep them around, please. Please, can the Raptors borrow King Cake Baby for the rest of the season just to have some like fear instilled into their defense or something? I don't know. Um, I just wanted to quickly acknowledge King Cake Baby, my prince, who uh, is, uh, or my king? My king, I guess. I, is King Cake Baby a prince or a king yet? Is he waiting? I'm not sure. Either way, I love King Cake Baby and I miss him. And uh, already, it's the first day without him and I'm sad. Either way, I'm losing my mind here. We'll leave, we'll leave it off there. We'll talk to you again on tomorrow's show. I think Katie Hyde will be along. We'll find something exciting to talk about. You know, optimistic because today was kind of a, a dour show, as you might expect after a loss like that. Either way, appreciate you for tuning in. So subscribing, following, rating, reviewing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. 
find us on discord link is in the description come hang out uh and tell me how i need to be happier about the team or whatever you can do that you can tell me how wrong i am about stuff i love that i appreciate it very much you're all wrong to tell me i'm wrong but that's fine you're still allowed to tell me i'm wrong uh either way i'm just saying words now We'll close it off there. We'll be back again on Wednesday in the episode of Lockdown Raptors. We've, of course, got our trade deadline coverage on Thursday. Trade deadline followed on Friday. Raptors Hornets tomorrow as well. So uh, no shortage of stuff to get into this week. And boy, oh boy, please don't lose to the Hornets by 38 points. Please. Either way, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Until then, thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.